Welcome to Jam Sessions. My name is Aaron Kelly. And I'm Stella Ferguson. Today we're talking to our client, friend, and producer of Lost Girls and Love Hotels, Lauren Mann. We met Lauren in the summer of this year, introduced to us by Alexis Garcia at Endeavour Content, and immediately we began discussing plans for her film, Lost Girls and Love Hotels. Lauren, along with William Olson, the film's director and producer, was looking to release Lost Girls through Lauren and William's Astrakhan film label and asked us to put together ideas for everything from key art and teaser trailers to a full social and creative campaign to the publicity, influencer and paid media needed to launch the film. We loved the film, the process of working directly with Lauren and William to create a campaign that was elevated and felt theatrical, even in these trying times. So we started by asking Lauren how she came to meet her collaborator, William. Yeah, so this is, I mean, the kind of like coolest thing about my partnership with William is it was so completely organic and it actually was almost like a, a, I feel like a couple's double date that I have to give a shout out to my mother-in-law who is a Swedish, well, I like to call her a socialite. She probably hates that title, but she just knows everyone worth knowing. And she was actually a child actress in Sweden and she was in a Bergman film, Port of Call. Um, but we've always had the pleasure of being like, set up with all these fabulous Swedes that come to LA. Every time Adam's mom has a Swedish friend whose kids are visiting or moving there, it's like, have dinner with Adam and Lauren. And so I'd say like 13 or 14 years ago, we had dinner with William and his wife, Kim. He either just finished making his first movie, graduated from USC film school. And I mean, we just totally hit it off and we were just like such good couples friends. And then I was, working as an assistant and, you know, kind of mulling, like, mm, is the independent film producing something I can really, I just, you know, hadn't had the best experience. I had read a script from a dear friend who uh, wrote a movie I worked on called Stone uh, with Robert De Niro and Edward Norton. And he also wrote a brilliant film, Junebug. His name is Angus McLaughlin. And I had kind of said, Angus, I just love your work and I want to read every available screenplay that you own. And I read a bunch of them and one was just, I fell in love with. And he said, well, whatever you want to do with it, it's never going to get made. So good luck. And William and I had kept in touch and he moved back to Sweden. And I knew my husband, who's the head of the story department at WME, had been sending him like 50 scripts over the course of a couple months. And William just, nothing stuck. And having seen his first film, I was like, you know, I think this Angus script, I, I just have a feeling. And I said, you know, I, I'm just going to send it to William. William read it within 24 hours and said, I have to make this movie. And that movie was originally an American story that William translated into Swedish and ended up shooting it in his hometown, actually on like the street that he grew up in. Uh, and then that was great. And 2013, it won the Shanghai Film Festival of like won the Grand Jury Prize, the Best Cinematography and Best Screenplay. So that was like our, our first little thing. And a year or two went by and I was still kind of like, you know, sending him things here and there. And 
we we were getting closer and just realized that we just loved the same kind of films and we had the same philosophy on movie making and, and independent film and also just kind of like loving the art aspect and, and hating kind of a certain mentality that certain people had and we just really bonded and we met in London, I believe it was like April of 2015 um, and he said, let's make this more serious and I also want us to invest in things, um, but you know, only things that we absolutely love and at that point I had given him one of my favorite novels, Lost Girls in Love Hotels and it was something that I had been aware of since 2008 when I was an assistant. And that was like one of the things I was like, someday I want to, if I stick it out as a producer, I hope I get this movie made. And he fell in love with the book the way I did. And then, you know, kind of said, okay, uh, eventually I want to make this movie and direct it. But in the meantime, if you find something you love and if we were represented actually we still are at Endeavor Content by Alexis Garcia, the fabulous person who introduced us to Think Jam, who I'm every day thank him for that. Um, and I said to Alexis, I seriously want to start looking for things like for us to invest in. Um, and one of the things that they sent us and said, this is a very, very short timeline. If you're serious in jumping onto something and this is, it's weird, but you might like it and it was Swiss Army Man. And when I read Swiss Army Man, I was like, holy shit, this is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind with farts. And <laughs> I was nervous to send it to William because I was like, okay, this is really gonna be a make it or break it moment. It, it's gonna be really kind of a, a little bit of a downer if he doesn't love it the way I love it. And also knowing that there's such a crazy timeline to make a financial commitment and jump into this and this was our first thing being investors on and you know it was a lot of money for our first time out so I was just like oh god I you know texted and emailed William and I said I know this is a lot to ask to read this you know within like 48 hours and I just feel so strongly about it he read it and called me back and was like you know what I love it. And I'm like, yay, because I love it too. And I was, so, I was so scared. But when he felt the same way I did and said, okay, like, you know, thumbs up, try to, you know, if we can be part of it, that's great. And from then on, it's, it's just been uh, such a dream. It just working together, it's been just such a joy to really like have him as, you know, not only a best friend, a family friend, but a, a you know, partner. And it's just, it's happened so naturally. And it's just so lovely because he's such a generous giving person in terms of just his trust and, you know, we're, we're equals. And, and that's, I don't know if it's, that's also just part of uh, his fabulous Swedishness is, is there's just a fairness to him that is just absolutely delightful. When you guys came to Swiss Army Man, were the Daniels already involved? Yeah, well, they wrote the script. This was their first kind of thing out. The two women who were actually like at the starting point of Swiss Army Man were Amanda Marshall and Miranda Bailey. And apparently they just heard the pitch of Daniel saying that they wanted to make a movie where the f in the first shot, uh, a fart will make you laugh. And the last shot, a fart will make you cry. And, and they said yes, and they hadn't gotten a script, but then, you know, Daniels went and 
and wrote the script and I actually hadn't, I hadn't heard of them. I hadn't seen their work and I was kind of, I knew that Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe were attached and I'm kind of glad that I didn't, because for me and William, like, it's all about the script and I've passed on so many things that have like, you know, big name attachments, but I'm just like, if I don't love the script, I, I there's no conversation to be had. So I was like, holy shit, when I finished reading Swiss Army Man, then I just did all my research on Daniels. And then when I saw all of their work, their music videos are awesome. I mean, some of those music videos are just I, like, I still go back and, and like every once in a while I'll rewatch them because I think they're so brilliant. And it was so awesome going to Sundance and having people coming up to me who either worked at other production companies or had read the script or with agencies who like, like, oh God, I wish we had gotten a year, could have said yes. And I, I felt so proud that we said yes and we took a chance. Um, and it just, yeah, makes me so happy that we were part of that film. It's really interesting that Swiss Army Man kind of started with two women because oh, I, I know yeah. from Lost Girls and Love Hotels, you, one of the things you talk most passionately about was the women in front of and behind yeah. the camera and how important that is to you, especially as a female producer. Yeah. Oh, um, for sure. Um, no, and that's what, I mean, the greatest thing is when you not only you get to have a good experience making a movie with people that you respect and then to come out of it. I was so thrilled, you know, not only to know that about Swiss Army Man and, and I'm still like, I text Miranda and Amanda almost weekly, daily, like I love them. They're like, I feel like we have like a little producing sisterhood and I love it and I, constantly reach out to them every single time I have an issue and they're wonderful and then that's kind of amazing that it again the kind of lifeblood of Lost Girls and Love Hotels has been these strong awesome women that I've bonded with that have carried us through the project and like their commitment to the material and just the process and to me and to supporting me has just made everything worth doing. Um, and just the fact that like William was so insanely supportive of the women behind the camera. I mean, in front of the camera, obviously, but especially behind the camera. Uh, I mean, just the fact that, you know, Catherine, the writer novelist of Lost Girls in Love Hotels, this is her baby for so long and her kind of main thing was wanting to to write it and she had never written a, a script before and that was a little scary but it ended up turning out to be um a blessing because she not only gave us so much of herself and she was just never defensive and she just was so just easy and eager and it was just nice because there was and she's just an incredible person and, and she was grateful and there was just this like very warm fuzzy throughout from the development to you know we had her there in Tokyo for most of the shoot and she was constantly writing and just always so helpful. And Catherine had herself had a similar type of experience 
to the protagonist in Lost Girls in Love Hotels. Was right. she involved with the casting at all? Or how did you how did you cast the amazing yeah. women in this film? And then yeah. also how did you begin working with people like Sarah Flack? Oh yeah. First I was of course like being a producer and knowing like, okay, I need to have someone that people are gonna wanna see. And I was a little scared when William said like he wants to discover someone. And I was like, oh, Jesus, okay. I mean, but you know, I wanna, you, the number one thing about being producers, you wanna support your director. And that was something that he felt so strongly about. And we interviewed tons of, cat, like maybe 10 casting directors and ended up um, with the super, super awesome Susan Shopmaker, who I actually just worked with again on uh, the card counter, but she was amazing. And William's like, I want to see like basically an open casting call and it will be anywhere from like names to just total no names. So I think she had to have gone through hundreds, if not thousands. And it was really it was really validating to kind of see also the actresses that were interested that just put themselves on tape that I was just like shocked. And then, you know, when we really started narrowing it down, I mean, I have to admit, I, I did not know who Alexandra was because I, she, I really love my small little indie films and she had been in such massive, massive studio stuff. Um, but we were all, you know, watched her over and over and over again. Um, but when it really came down to it, Alexandra's tape and just like she wrote a beautiful letter. The more I did research on her and like read or just was actually looking at her social media and I was like, oh wow, she's so real. Like she's someone that I would like want to be just like, she seems real and that's what we need. And, and knowing that we're learning about Tokyo and the kind of difficulty of shooting and like there's no space for a trailer. Like she didn't have a star wagon. Sometimes she like barely had any private space on set and she was amazing and she just rolled with punches. I got really excited about Sarah Flack. We were a little bit nervous because I was like, God, I don't know. Like it's lost in translation. Like is she gonna feel like it's too, you know, she doesn't want to revisit Tokyo. and. To her credit, like she read the script and when she sh saw the little like teaser, she was like, no, this is just so different. Um, and she loved the script and she just was completely entranced by Alexandra. And she's like, no, this is a different Tokyo and this is a Tokyo that I want to visit and a story I want to tell. And I think that there were comparisons made to Lost in Translation because it's the obvious easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that anyone really made the connection between the editors. I really thought that some way, somehow, someone would make a note of that, especially the title, Lost Girls in Love Hotels. Okay, Lost in Translation, that was like a really big one. We had, oddly enough, had to change the title right before we started when we were in Tokyo we couldn't get any locations and you know, our, our head location scouts spoke no English whatsoever. We realized that when they were going out and saying, okay, uh, this is Lost Girls and Love Hotels, people thought it was a porn movie. They didn't like that the title was so off-putting to people and so we were like, oh, okay, well, and then Catherine had actually read this incredible poem 
uh, is it's a Japanese like haiku and one of the lines is although I am not a bird and it just felt very poetic and kind of made sense at the time um, but then after filming and during editing we were like eh, this this title doesn't fit at all and we didn't want to lose the the source material which is the novel Lost Girls in Love Hotels so I'm, I'm really happy that we ended up going back to the original title. I think I think it made a lot of sense it, it connected it directly to the source material but it also spoke so well to the you know the psyche of our protagonist that you follow throughout and kind of that absolute lostness not just lost yeah in Tokyo and... but lost within herself yeah I I really got a sense of how important that was to you as we worked on the film that people understood Margaret's journey and what she was going through and and where she was at mentally and her struggles and that that was so core to the film versus just kind of the day-to-day -day actions that you saw throughout. Oh, yeah, and it became very personal, I think, for William, Catherine, and I, that, like, you know, the club scene, which I absolutely love, um, you know, that was a very, like, important scene for him. And when he was filming that, I, I just, there, there was just, like, a joy and excitement, and it meant so much, and he talked about it a lot. And then, like, you know, there were things in there that, obviously, that Catherine and I had, taken from certain relationships so let's fast forward a little bit we, we you've made the movie you've you've cut the movie you, you know what the movie is what the story is kind of you know how it feels now and you started to think about distribution and studios and partners maybe just talk us through some of that process the joys of it and the challenges of it and what ultimately brought you to thinking about putting this movie out more directly to the fans yeah i mean just to go back a little bit the you know maybe our timing with this particular story uh, I don't want to say it sucked but because it's I, I think the world has just changed from the moment we started filming I mean, we always knew this was art and this was an art film and we always knew going into this that this is not going to be a film for everyone so our eyes were so wide open and I think the biggest thing that after we finished the movie and it was actually a lot more tame I think with some of the content and in a really beautiful way and I think that's thanks to really William, Sarah and Catherine showing less is more and and we want this to be something really beautiful and and more artistic and I mean our, our biggest fear is okay like we sell this movie to a company and they make you know they say they're gonna market it in a certain way um, and then it, you know, they want to do it in a very exploitive way. And I'm sure like, of course that that's sex sells, people want to make money. Um, and I think as we started to get offers and, you know, realizing, you know, one, the world has changed so much and the offers that we were getting were not the crazy numbers by any means. Um, and I don't think I'm like spilling any state secrets by saying that. And I'm sure, you know, every <laughs> producer can relate. And there's this moment of like, okay, there's a reality check and, and how do we pivot and still protect our film? 
and you realize like you, you can't push a movie on a distributor if they don't want you or they don't like it's almost like a relationship you don't want to be in a relationship that <laughs> doesn't want to be in a relationship with you so i i think it just became more and more clear just in a natural way like okay you know if we sell this movie to one of the places that have you know put out feelers um well i don't i couldn't honestly say that they would keep their word or i would have a great feeling that they would do it justice when it came out or that they wouldn't kind of make it a 50 shades in tokyo type marketing campaign and that was like always our biggest fear either they just kind of dump it and it just becomes another title in their library or you know they they sell it in a way that I'm sure we would be horrified by <laughs> and you know we were just incredibly lucky um, that we were able to say you know what no <laughs> we're we're doing this ourselves we, we actually started to have those conversations like right before COVID like this movie is a very intimate film it's not a movie maybe that you would necessarily like want to see with in a room with 50 other people. Um, maybe it's a date night movie that you want to watch in bed, maybe <laughs> not. So it just really like the more we just talked about it and William and I really like uh, would have daily conversations and we hired a, a dear friend mentor, Stephen Friedlander, who was our just like basically distribution consultant and it was amazing to have another almost like a neutral party to spitball off of constantly and we kind of broke the news to endeavor content and said you know we love you guys um but we really want to do this our own way and we were so thankful that one of the first things alexis did was say you uh, you have to call think jam immediately get on <laughs> call think jam and um I think like when I first reached out to you guys, it was maybe either during or right after uh, you had done the campaigns on like Emma and Trolls. Yeah. And just so amazed that, okay, like not only you were able to pivot and had like no notice because it was right at the beginning of the closures of everything. And I was like, okay, wow, if they can do this, obviously the, these are huge movies compared to ours um, in terms of the, their budget and the studios behind them. Um, but I was like, okay, you know, th this can happen. We, we can do this on our own if we have the right partners. And, and it's all about like just us having PR marketing and then on the other side like distribution kind of because I can't call all these streamers myself and I can't finagle that so it just I was like we can do this and you know let's do this <laughs> so it just it really it is we were at a certain point and we did like we all three of us had a phone call and we're like yeah 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 fuck yeah let's do it <laughs> And it was really exciting. And when we finally like made that ultimate decision, we were so all in and it was like, no matter what, this is going to be an incredible experience. It's going to be a great ride. It's going to be a learning experience all around, but we're going to be so much better for it no matter what happens. And coming out the other side of that, would yeah. you choose to put a title straight out to digital in a similar way again? Obviously, the original plan for this was day and date. 
So it was going to be limited theatrical and digital um, until COVID (laughs) paid to that idea. Um, And it eventually ended up being straight to digital. Would you do the same model again? Yeah, I I mean, I would 100%. um, I think this is just kind of what's happening. I'm a little... I mean, it just, it didn't feel right in any regard to even, like, I noticed some movies now, some really smaller titles have random, like, four theaters in, like, Boise, Idaho. And if I had to choose between, like, doing that and just have it go straight to streaming, I, like, I don't think it's worth it. It hurts me to say that because I love going to the theater. I mean, I would have loved if we were in a better space. Like, and that's the thing. It's just, like, I it's just the ultimate the all the what ifs that COVID's throwing at everyone and I you know if this time next year the the vaccine takes and there's kind of a return to normalcy I mean I would have loved to be in 10 theaters but at the time it just it didn't it didn't feel right I mean I would have only done it if it if there were there was a real genuine feeling that people were going to the theaters in New York and LA and people were you know wanting to support independent film, it, it, it doesn't feel responsible either. I, I just, I never felt right. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed like the immediacy of having people watch the film in their homes, like, and some of her, you know, very, very dedicated fans who like watched it the moment it was available and instantly started having a dialogue on social media. I mean, it's a mixed bag because it's not always great, but just to know that that's kind of instantly happening is exciting. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard because I I love the movie theaters, but I don't know what the third, fourth quarter of 2021 and what 2022 is going to hold, but I think for now and the next six months, it's going to be more of the same. What would you say were your biggest learnings coming out of it for someone else who is perhaps releasing straight to digital for the first time and and self-releasing oh my goodness like i would have done everything over again 100 percent um the same way and i thought i i like we still like william and i will still be like we have the best partners and think jam think jam's amazing you guys were amazing um you know it's it's weird because i think so much of it is like luck it's like hitting going to Vegas and pulling the lever and and hitting the jackpot or not. And if you have, you're in like the right time, the right place with the right movie, um, sometimes things hit, sometimes things don't. And, you know, just, yeah, do do I wish there had been more articles or had been more but again, like, if, if it's not happening, you can't force it. Really, it's almost like the media has to embrace you. And and if they're not, like, you can't, you, it's like you have to ride, it's, like, it's almost like surfing and like, like riding a wave. <laughs> so I, I think it was really interesting and also valuable to see that, and also kind of sad because of the current situation, like also how valuable um, film festivals are and for independent film and, if you don't have a, a studio like A24 behind you or focus that kind of has a certain clout um, and if you don't make noise at a film festival, um, you know, it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, independent film is hard. So it's, it's really, I think so much of it is about getting lucky. And, you know, maybe if this, this 
had came out five years before or five years in the future. It, it's, but I, I still feel like we, we are so, we're proud of the film. Now it exists. It's going to Hulu on February 15th of 2021. So I'm actually really excited about that. And I, I think that being on a streamer, like people will just naturally find it. And that's kind of the good thing about streamers that eventually I think people will find movies and it almost like has a second life. And I just, uh, there was a Collider article that did a story on all like hidden gems on Netflix and Swiss Army Man was on there. Um, and so it, you know, I think more now than ever with streamers and with social media, your movie lives on in a longer, more stronger way. I think one of the highlights for, for me and for all of us from being able to work directly with you, but also working directly with William was just how much his creative vision was able to be weaved through everything we did. I love that. I love that so much. Um, and I have to say, like, that was one of our, and this is like, for being, I'm being super real now, like, when we had first talked to some people, we talked to you guys, and it, it was clear that you guys were like, the cream of the crop. And we were a little bit nervous, because we're like, we're a really small movie, um, compared to, you know, some of the work that, I mean, trolls, you guys are trolls. <laughs> so we were like, oh, gosh, like, are we going to be serviced in a way that, you know, are we going to be getting 100% from you guys because you work on such huge campaigns? And I've, I've never, like, I'm like, I can't, I can't believe that getting five-star service, <laughs> it's like, I mean, we didn't have the money that, you know, usually you guys work with, but to the care and the time and the effort, um, and I don't, maybe that was also because there was no middleman. I mean, we were so excited because it was just, I felt like it was a very artist-to-artist connection with all of us. And that was such a joy. Yeah, I think it became infectious. Um, I, I, I used to joke by the end of the campaign that I felt like we were all in this bubble. And it always surprised me when this wasn't, you know, the absolute number one film on everybody's radar, because it felt yeah. so much part of our lives every single day. Yeah, and I, I mean, and that's the thing. It's just like, if the nice thing about... William is, he's so, and you mean, you know, from now working with him, like, there's no ego there. Like, he's such a, a lovely human being and that, you know, to have a director who has, like, no ego and doesn't, and, and allows people to be creative and is so open to, like, everything, ideas, and is not possessive or defensive, I mean... That's what makes, that's what made the process so wonderful, just about making sure that we were always staying true to the film. I mean, that was really what we all, what we wanted. And we were so lucky that we came out of this to say like, wow, like we really got to put the movie out in the way that we wanted people to. And, and you know, ultimately people are gonna make their own, like, you know, you know not everyone's gonna love every movie and that's totally fine. Um, but it's nice to see like the people who really loved it, really loved it. And that's, you know, what makes us want to keep making movies. I think, I think what was really exciting about it from our point of view is if you look at like a, a full spectrum of films, often when you work on smaller movies, um, it's really just about 
finding finding a home for them as quick as possible and there's a bit of a, a rush to it because there's a smaller studio there's a smaller ambition and so there might be a filmmaker involved but maybe there's a little bit less ambition i mean you work on a really big movie there's an enormous ambition and there's a big filmmaker but there's a lot more involved in those projects right in terms of studio and agenda and occasionally an ego can can enter the into the fray <laughs> i think what was special about lost girls is it, it sat somewhere right in the middle where it had all the ambition and all the sort of like creative integrity of a real mm -hmm. film of a real message and and william's not not a director or producer for that matter that shied away from sharing what was right for the film and wrong for the film which mm -hmm. is thrilling for us because rather than it just being about a marketing message and are we hitting the beats it was really about what honors the film and doesn't honor the film which is a really i think I think I can speak for everyone on the team. That was like a thrilling process to be able to put something forward and hear firsthand. So to be able to kind of work with that, that level of filmmaker, but have completely direct and not have to worry about, you know, 19 layers of approval. And just, if we make something and you and William are happy and William says, this honors the integrity of the film, that felt like a really rewarding process. So I think everyone on, everyone on the project afterwards was like, in a lot of our meetings, they're like, that was awesome. Can we just do that again? Oh, like, that makes me so happy because that's how exactly how we felt. Um, and, it, and, yeah. and, and the irony is, you know, that it, it's kind of how it should be done, right? A, a filmmaker oh, should sure. be involved in the marketing, should be involved in the message of the film and not in a, a aggressive way or a, a, a tense way or, right. you know, a way where there's lots of like anxiety, but in a really collaborative and creative way. And, yeah. and, and you hope that in the best case scenario, that only brings out the best in the film and the marketing and you can reach the audience. And well, and I think that was kind of Will William's real true brilliance and like his honesty to the film was really also being on, honest to any prospective audience or person that's going to buy the film. And what I really respect and that that was also one of our fears that if it got into the hands of someone else and they marketed it one way and then when people watched the movie and it was not what you know they were sold they'd be pissed off and not happy and you know that happens and i think we really were that was another massive fear because we just we didn't want that to happen and, and william is such an honest good person um that was just like his nature of just like i also don't want to lie to someone he wanted to show what the movie was and and not twist it and spin it in any kind of way to just get a quick sale i mean that was his whole thing it's like he didn't want to just take the money and run like he genuinely cared about okay if someone is seeing the materials that are put out for this film he wanted it to be authentic to what they were going to watch so they didn't feel conned into the movie that they didn't think they were going to get which is so honest and genuine and and true and thoughtful because those scenes are there and we talked about that a lot in the process that there are scenes in the movie that you could explore sure. for marketing purposes that would dial up the you know call it consumer demand or call it something else oh for sure and that was what we were so thrilled about is that you you guys always respected our wishes to do that and and you never said like hey like well, let's move you know if we move on to this angle a little bit you know we would increase you know some you know, maybe more dollars in your pocket but and you just totally understood that's not what we were about and and we wanted to stay true to what the film was when we were putting everything out there um, and, and you 
respected our wishes. And it was just so nice because I, I felt like it was such a positive relationship. You know, yes, like we're the client. And I just, I felt like we were all on the same team. It was like, there was no hierarchy. It was beautiful. Long may it continue. So <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about the future for Astrakhan. You guys have a movie uh, still in production, The Card Counter? Um, wrapping up post should be done very shortly and that was just part of the very crazy 2020 to have a movie shut down um really the first week that the country was shut down march friday the 15th and then sunday night we actually thought we were going to be able to go finish the rest of the film got a phone call and said you know someone is in the hospital in la and you know they were there and immediately we just had to call the people that were in direct contact with them. And it, it was very, uh, very quick realizing that, um, well, one, people were terrified whether or not that they were gonna come down with it, but also they were also terrified of potentially uh, getting stuck in Mississippi with COVID. <laughs> and so that night people just started just literally getting in their rental cars and leaving. Um, but. Uh, yeah, like, you know, when we returned in July, um, it was different. We were lucky we only had five days to go. Um, we, we actually shot in a prison. We were in a prison for two days around um, a lot of Mississippians who nobody was wearing masks. The prisoners were not wearing masks. And now that I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh. So we're just, we're very lucky because now every production I read that's going on, it's like inevitable that there's a two week halt. Um, it's just now it's about, you know, focus, deciding its fate and what now having a, a movie with a high profile writer, director, high profile actors, and if they hold it or they just push it out, I, you know, those are still conversations to be had. I was just going to ask you, Lauren, for your two minute blurb pitch on the card counter. What is it? What is it about? And why should we all go see it when it comes out? Yeah. So, <laughs> wow, it's been, a, it's been a minute since I've talked about this. It's, you know, and God's lonely man tale of uh, someone who was, had tortured prisoners in Abu Ghraib, um, was in the military, went to Leavenworth for 11 years, and when he came out, had to recalibrate into the normal world, and that's so hard to do for him that his new normal was kind of being a poker player and blackjack player and kind of frequenting motels and through his travels, he, he meets a woman who notices how talented he is and she wants to get him to be a working poker player and, and get him on the circuit and get him financial backers. And in the midst of all this, he is approached by a young kid who needs guidance and has ties to his past and also has a run-in with uh, someone who was really the impetus for him going to prison. Uh, and everything kind of uh, is on a collision course. Um, and Oscar Isaac is brilliant. Uh, Willem Dafoe is brilliant. Tiffany Haddish is fucking amazing. Um, and Ty Sheridan was amazing. Um, and, you know, I was excited to work with them all, but not as much as just 
having the pleasure of working with Paul. I think the, the biggest kind of joy was just seeing a master at work and I've never actually experienced um, kind of, I mean, aside from William, who's just awesome, like Paul was so direct and noble, straight no chaser, but in a really like delightful way. I, I'm sure that, you know, he has so many years behind him and so much experience behind him. Um, you know, I think he's maybe gone through a lot, but on this, he just, to just have a director who's just like an old sea captain and knows at every moment what they want, where they want it. You ask him a question, you get an instant direct answer. Um, he's like incredibly open, loves working with young people. So curious, um, you know, just sitting at the hotel bar before all the, the COVID, just talking to him and having conversations. I have such a place in my heart for him as just like a human. And, and that was the real joy of the movie. There, there were a lot of not joyful things um, <laughs> as that happens with movies and partners. And, um, but Paul will always be the best thing about that project for me. Very cool. I think we have covered the Effenbach in a brilliant way. <laughs> Is there anything, anything that we haven't said, particularly as it obtains to Lost Girls and Love Hotels that you would like to say, or you would like people to know about the film that we haven't covered? No, I don't think so. I think um, I, I, I would say it's perhaps worth um, just sharing your kind of one or two lines of who should watch this film and why they should watch it. Because exactly as you said, that this isn't a film that you wanted to market to everyone. You wanted yeah. the people who watched it to be the people who would get it. So who are those people? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes I, I feel like very selfishly I made the movie for myself because I, I had such a um, strong affection for the novel, which is about a, a girl ten, probably 10 years younger than me now, which is sad. I found this project 10 years ago. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely, I've, I've grown out of Margaret, although I think we all have a little bit of Margaret in us, but um, I, you know, I, I really, what I want is for, you know, not only independent film lovers to realize that this is a unique film to make because we really made it out of like total love and autonomy. Like we were not making it in order to fulfill like any kind of financial gain. I felt like it, it came from like the purest place ever. And I, and I hope that um, people who love art films can appreciate that. And um, there's so much in the movie about happy, sad, and, and there's a very specific Japanese word for that. Um, and that's kind of what's so heartbreaking to like watch the movie and watch a girl's journey in Japan, um, but yet like not being able to travel right now. So anyone who, um, you know, not only loves finding themselves in general, but exploring different cultures and also it's, it's ultimately a, about finding yourself and, and falling in love, which hopefully everyone can relate to and want to see a story about. Yeah, I, I yeah. like that. I, I agree with you. I think everyone has a little bit of Margaret in them. Um, there's something that almost anyone can identify with. Well, 
but we love the film. And more than that, we've loved working on the film. And we absolutely love, and I, I don't want to speak for Stella, but I, I think I can speak for the team, that we loved the experience of meeting you and William and working on something that was both really exciting, uh, really time pressured in the best way, really personal, um, and hopefully really sort of honest and raw and authentic to the story and the film and the characters. Um, and, you know, we get a lot of great projects at Think Jam, but we don't always get to work hand in hand with producers and filmmakers in that way. And that, I think that was a very exhilarating process for everyone that worked on it. I think it was special, actually. I think the thing to highlight, it wasn't just like any other project. It was very special. And when you were talking about it, Aaron, you kept talking about integrity. And I think that was, for me, you know, everyone that works at Think Jam works there because they love film and because they love art. So I think it really fed the souls, fed our creative souls oh, to work on this that. project. Yeah, we, we, you guys are, are movie lovers and, and that's, you know, that's why we're all in this mess. <laughs> so to have, <laughs> to have people that were are just as passionate about films for the right reasons as we were was just incredibly exciting. And, and yes, every day I'm... Find, trying to find that next thing that we could all work on because we definitely, I foresee us for sure releasing a film on our own and the, the joy of going through this process specifically with you guys is something we, we would love to do again. Thank you to Lauren for her time today. You can find Lost Girls and Love Hotels on Hulu from February and the card counter will be distributed by Focus Features in 2021. This has been Jam Sessions. <laughs>